It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 154, entitled Full Steam Ahead for Full Site Editing. It was recorded on Monday the 15th of March 2021, and today, as always, I'm joined by Paul Lacey, my co-host, but also by Anne McCarthy and Joe Casabona. There's an awful lot to talk about, most notably things concerning WordPress 5.7 and the fact that it has been updated. There's a lot of improvements that have come down the wire this time, and there's an iThemes article which we link to, including 21 notable improvements. Joe Casabona has actually made a video all about his favourite parts, and so we talk about that as well. There's a new course looking at full site editing by Carrie Dills, and also Anne McCarthy herself is heavily involved with the full site editing process, and she's got something she'd like you to take part in, customising and creating your own 404 pages, and then giving her some feedback so that the team can improve full site editing in the future. We also talk about whether or not you're keeping activity logs and how important those can be. And also, OVH, a giant hosting company based in Europe, had a fire this week and took out some notable WordPress properties. We talk about that. And then finally, we talk about the environmental impact of your WordPress website and what we can do to make it smaller. It's all coming up next on This Week in WordPress. This Week in WordPress is brought to you by... Cloudways. Cloudways is a managed cloud hosting platform that ensures simplicity, performance and security. It offers cloud servers from five different cloud providers that you can manage through its intuitive platform. Some of the features include 24-7 support, free migrations and dedicated firewalls. Check it out at cloudways.com and by AB Split Test. Do you want to set up your A-B split tests in record time, like in a couple of minutes? Use your existing pages and test anything against anything else. Buttons, images, headers, rows, anything. And the best part is it works with Elementor, Beaver Builder and the WordPress Block Editor. You can check it out and get a free demo at absplittest.com. Hello, hello, hello. I'm going to say hello, hello several more times because I've noticed that StreamYard takes about eight or nine seconds somehow configure the right level for the audio and the first hello always comes out like that's just how you speak yeah that's right um wp builds it's this week in wordpress once more every monday 2 p.m uk time we are joined by a fantastic panel uh this week um and i'm going to get paul lacy who is my co-host to introduce them to you so i'm going to hand straight over to you paul yeah, thanks. Yeah, we do have some really good stories uh, this week to cover. And like you said, we've got a am- pretty amazing panel. I'm really excited to um, to have these two people on with us today. So first of all, we've got Anne McCarthy, who is Developer Relations Wrangler, working for Automatic. And she's focused on the WordPress.org space and leading the full site editing outreach program, which is something we've been talking about a lot over the last few weeks. And it's kind of the big exciting thing that's going on in the background at wordpress.org and we've also got the legend joe casabona who is a podcaster educator and developer who helps people launch podcasts and create content um before we move on and i just wanted to ask um this title uh wrangler seems to be something that you always hear about people in automatic and i don't really know too much what this word means in relation to a job role so could you could you explain to us what 
automatic wranglers are? I think it's automatic's way of having a position be a catch-all. So it's kind of like you're mm -hmm. wrangling whatever comes at you. And it's automatic's just creativity with job titles and team names. Um, but it basically covers everything from high-level communication, project management type stuff, um, creating educational resources, talking one-on-one -on -one with devs, doing things like this, the outreach program. And it's just kind of a way to have a catch-all role where you're just wrangling developer relations. Yep. I think of it as almost like herding cats. Um, so just see it <laughs> as automatic creativity. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, in the UK, we have a situation with a lot of people I know who are in regular jobs are always complaining and they say, that's not in my job description and how dare <laughs> my employer make me do that. So I think if we just start calling everyone wranglers from now on, it'd be perfect. They can't and it's, really it's in our creed too. Like that's the other part that's is, right. you know, I won't just work on the things that are assigned to me. And um, it's one of the things I love most about working at Automatic exactly. actually. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Well, thanks for clearing that up. Um, that's, that's brilliant. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we were going to go straight into our first article, aren't we, Nathan? With, yeah, um, I'm just going to share my is... screen because I refreshed StreamYard yep. and uh, failed to put my screen back on. So there we go. Let's just move away from that and go go straight to straight to this little lovely piece, which uh, I know yep. that uh, – is it me introducing this one or is it you? I can do it, I guess, yes. So, okay. go for it. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of articles around at the moment about WordPress 5.7, which is uh, just being released. And it's really a good release. I think most people are pretty unanimous in, in that because there's some really good stuff for everyone in there. There's a bunch of different articles going through it. There's a good one on the iThemes website if you'd like to read it. But if you want to just have someone talk you through the full details of everything, then Joe has got a video on his YouTube channel uh, that you can see, and it's called What's New with WordPress 5.7. And Joe, what what's uh, what are you enjoying about WordPress 5.7? Well, there's there's a few things. I kind of uh, ramble on about uh, things I didn't expect to, like the admin color scheme um, that has changed. It's it's been more simplified. It's uh, WCAG double uh, A uh, compliant, and I just right. think there's like a bunch of subtle changes there that make it look so much nicer. And I was really pleased with that. And um, the thing with my what's new with WordPress videos is they're always my first look at it. Um, I never like go through and rehearse anything. I just want first impressions. Um, and so I'll read a few of those great write-ups that come out before I'll check out the field guide. And about 24 hours after Word, uh, the new version drops, my video will come out. And uh, so these are mostly my first impressions, but um, so I loved the admin color scheme. It was my first time seeing it. I compared it to 5.6, and I just think that the the subtle changes are really fantastic. Um, the I think the my favorite change, uh, and this is going to sound super weird, is I can change the font size for the list block. Yeah, so you say uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just because it, it's it is it solved a problem I was having like five days prior where I was sizing up some of the paragraphs on my about page and I wanted to size up the uh, the list items too, but I couldn't without an extra CSS class or whatever. So um, just seeing that and like, I mean, all the all the block editor changes um, are really nice. The ability to drag and drop from the, blo uh, from the block inserter is something I've tried to do multiple times before that. And just the ability to do that now is great. Um, I think, I think perhaps the the change uh, that is going to be uh, 
biggest impact but like least intrusive is the https migration yep. uh as a matter of fact if you watch that video you'll see i when i change something during the edit i'll say editor joe so like editor joe's coming in here uh to let you know that i spent like 20 minutes trying to figure <laughs> out how to do the https migration before realizing it just happens <laughs> um so i think that is going to be uh, just a fantastic change it's something that i would uh, most of us probably relied on the same plugin for, um, yep. and it's it's nice that we will not need an extra plugin to do that now. Um, so those are the three things that that I was most excited to showcase. Uh, lazy loading iframes, uh, just like with lazy loading images, I think it was in five point five where that came out. Um, is going to be pretty impactful on performance, I think, especially because like YouTube videos are loaded with iframes, right? And so. Um, the fact that we're not loading those straight away is going to be really good. And this also wrapped up um, the three version uh, jQuery migration. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're if you're going to uh, jump on 5.7, make sure if you rely heavily on um, jQuery, which if you are not technically savvy, that might mean you have some slider somewhere or a big accordion somewhere that might um, that might use jQuery. Just make sure you test that first. There's a jQuery update plugin in the repository, and then there's a jQuery migrate plugin in the repository that will help you do that. Thank you, Joe. That, so we, if we were to search for your YouTube channel, would we be looking for just sort of YouTube Joe Casabona, or has it got a different name? Uh, the title is Joe Casabona, yeah. So okay. you can you can find that, and it's like a big cheesy like me like crossing my arms because that's what you're supposed to do i guess yeah. um but uh <laughs> uh the the url is like slash c slash creator courses because i created it under my my education brand but okay yeah it's a it was a good video i watched it from start to finish i actually did notice i went as soon as i finished watching your video i went over and found this article which is the the sort of iThemes version. And I'm just going to go through them, actually, if that's all right, because some of them you've highlighted already, but I'll just go through the, the sort of 21 things because I thought this was quite a nice way of summarizing what's happened. Um, so, yeah, as Joe said, WordPress 5.7, Esperanza, there's a sort of list of all of them. We won't dwell on them too long. Um, this is quite handy. I've actually already deployed this already. There's now a button in the uh, user list where you can send a password reset. I had a client that needed that this week, and I pressed the button. And for all intents and purposes, it seemed to work off the bat. So that was quite nice. Um, what else have we got? This is the one that Joe was just talking about. Uh, Joe, I don't know if you saw this This little video actually shows that it, it surfaces as a button in the site health panel. It it does. I saw this video and I couldn't get it to work on my own site. And I don't know if it's just because I've always been using HTTPS, yeah. but like I, I couldn't fake it for the video. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So that was the problem, right? I got yeah. it. Yeah. So if you've got site health, you know, if your visitors are looking at site health and that pops up, hopefully they can fix that for themselves now. They won't need any technical skills. This is my favorite one. Um, this drag and drop blocks, just because I'm so used to using things like Beaver Builder, it's absolutely the interface that I'm used to. So p positioning the cursor where I want something to go and then clicking on a block has always been a bit of a subpar thing for me. And now the fact that I can dr 
drag it in. I actually tried to get it to do things that I'm used to in Beaver Builder, like, you know, I could put it between things, but then to get it to to go and make two columns or something like that was a little bit more tricky. It's a little um, finicky but, at times. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so there's that. Custom icon backgrounds, you can, you can make the icons bigger and smaller and give them colors or take the backgrounds away and things like that. Um, and Joe, I think, found the... The, the sort of the positioning of some of the menu items to be a bit a bit fruity, shall we say? Uh, he was expecting things like size to be over here, and it wasn't. It was over here, and so on. Yeah, and that's uh, that's something that I um, intended to submit to, like as feedback. Just there's you know some instances, and I, I understand why, and it was easy enough to find. It, it, there was just some things that I thought would be in one place for one block, and were in a different place for another block, and I'm sure over. You know, that could already be fixed in the latest version of Gutenberg, right? Because yeah. I think uh, 9.9 .9 is merged into core here, and we're on 10.2 or 10.3 now. 10.2 yeah. comes out, 10 I think, tomorrow full, fully, yeah. Okay. Uh, Joe's favorite, the full si the sorry, the font size support for lists. I, I do find the, um, I don't know, the, 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 the nomenclature, the, the fact that it's called, like, extra large, large, and all of that kind of stuff, I was... Just curious as to how that crept in, as opposed to just a font size, uh, a number, as opposed to a word. But I like the huge at the end. <laughs> just want it <laughs> huge. Select that one. Um, okay, keep going. Um, you can define the block. The, sorry, the button block percentage widths. Uh, what else have we got? New height alignment for the cover block, which. Uh, seemed to work in Joe's demo, and uh, you can go and check it out in there. Font size support in the code block, again, really nice if you want to demonstrate your code really large. New vertical layout, so there's a, an option to transform the layout to be stacked or side-by-side, -side, which is really nice. You can see the side-by-side -side there. Um, what else have we got? The spacer block is now semi-transparent. What? How did that? That's just so cool. Like, why did that never happen? I don't know. Now you can really see the transparency of the block, so it's obviously there. Switch to text labels in the block toolbar and preference redesign. Do you know what? I'm just not even going to go on. I think that's probably enough of that article. But go go to iThemes and check it out. But I'm curious. We know what Joe's favorite is. It's the icon size. We know what my favorite is. It's the dragging. What about you, Anne? What's your favorite? Oh, man. I, probably the password reset, only because I worked so much um, on a multi-site and with nonprofits back in the day and small businesses that that was a constant, like trying to get user permissions in place and making that easier, um, I think is really, really cool. <laughs> easier and safer and contained. I think it's a, it's a great, easy thing for, for people who are managing sites. Yeah, quite a lot of quite a lot of actual workflows involve using, you know, plugin workflows yeah. and affiliate sign-up schemes actually want you to go and reset the password. And you know, if, if people don't configure the emails properly, you're supposed to know that that's what you've got to do. So that is that is really cool. You can just click the button and, and you're gone. What about you, Paul? Oh, well, first of all, um, I don't know if you know, but Anne is in the list of the contributors to this release <laughs> as well. Yeah. So uh, I guess you, um, are you, yeah, thank you. First of all, yeah, thank you. Because uh, we, we like this release. This is definitely a good one. Um, so um, I guess in that you you were supporting the, the some of the other developers. It's part of your role. That's how that works. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's mainly mainly more of a, yeah, support role is a good way to put it. It's more organizing efforts um, and yep. writing uh, like, for example, I'm doing a series that I'm calling uh, Core Editor Improvement Posts. So two of those things that were mentioned on there, the text icons um, and the drag and drop uh, from, you know, the inserter are things that I've written about, made sure people are, it's well known. So then when a yep. release comes around, it's really easy to communicate 
um, and that work can be highlighted. So, yeah, yeah. it's it's pretty it's pretty weird to see my name there. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> definitely gets an impossible very cool. syndrome. Very but, cool. Yeah, it, yeah. Is, it is really cool. Yeah. Um, so the, the features I liked. Um, first of all, I really like the color scheme thing. And um, because, uh, again, I, I just love that attention to detail that like a tiny, a tiny thing that we can we can technically live without and all work around gets that attention and then and then everything seems to make sense. There's just a the, the, the friction for the user is just reduced so much by by that. Uh, so I, I love that. And then the um, the other thing that's really cool is the drag and drop. Uh, and when Nathan and I were playing around with this, I just, it just struck me. I just thought, I just didn't even realize that wasn't a thing already. It does feel how, like one of those was, features that's already been there. It's like, wait, how did I not yeah. notice this didn't exist? Yeah. But it totally makes sense. But one of the cool things about it is I honestly think it's going to highlight s some obvious changes that the UI could take now, because in Joe's video, you know, he was changing one thing over here and then jumping over there to change it. And then when Nathan and I played with this latest update, we were dragging in, for instance, a, a header um, block, and then we'd hit to edit it. And the thing that at the side would suddenly jump to the back to the side. And then the mm. thing that we we're editing would get a bit bigger. And it felt quite similar to something like Elementor. And it felt like, hey, is this the time where that sidebar becomes a a, a real thing and that you you drag it in like you do with Elementor. I'm a Beaver Builder user, but uh, the Elementor interface felt sim more similar to this, that you drag something in and then you, you're editing the, all the settings related to that heading stay over on the left-hand side for the module that you're editing, much exactly just like Elementor rather than, and that it seemed to be a great move forward with the, the dragging in, but then it made even less sense that you drag something in from there, some of the edit stuff you edit over there, then some of the things you edit over there, and and then you come back over to the other side to drag a new thing in that goes away again so it feels like it's the first step in in like what will probably be a really much easier way to evolve the builder because it's just going to make so much more sense to have the conversation now that so we drag the thing in and then then we do this so i was really pleased to see that i think and, too uh, there's there's also the block yeah. directory which as that picks up speed mm. steam that's going to be a more used interaction and we'll see yep. some evolution there. Um, same with a uh, block pattern directory. So when patterns kind of become more ubiquitous, um, I think we'll see the inserter take a even bigger role. I think a lot of people have started using the slash command or just using the plus buttons that they find throughout the post. Um, I myself sometimes forget to use the inserter. Um, I was trying to quickly build um, a homepage for a previous full sighting test. And you know, you can literally drag and drop a pattern in, which is amazing. Um, but I forgot that you could do that. It was one of those things where I get so used to finding my own workflow. Um, but when things like the block directory and the and block patterns become become bigger, um, and even reusable blocks in this 5.7 release is now listed in the inserter as well. So it is becoming a more um, prominent interaction for for users and site builders. Yeah. yeah, it really does feel like the biggest update that I've had in a long time for the most significant one and there's so much to uh so much to like about it so what were yours support pull dragging and what was the other one i just uh the the colors oh yeah and and the, like i said the, if you put those two things that i like the drag and drop and the colors what what i'd love to see is that the the block editor in these tiny kind of interaction aspects about it get the level of thought put into them the same as the um the colors have because look at the impact a tiny little 
thoughtful change can have. So, you know, when we were playing with it, Nathan, you were trying to drag something in between two columns and it kind of indicated to you that that was going to work, but then it, that nothing happened sort of thing. It wouldn't, it wouldn't allow you to do it. And the more we were dragging, when you and I were trying it out, the more we were dragging things in, we're like, wouldn't it be great to just be able to turn the plus icons off now so that we don't have mm. them, you know, creating space vertically for us all the yeah. time? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so it just, but immediately we were able to just have a quick conversation about, wouldn't it be nice if that, but before those draggable things were coming in, we were having a conversation constantly around, you press plus and then this happens and then you press plus and then this happens. So it's changed the, I think it's changed the direction of the conversation. So I really like that it's come in. Much I'm going to bring this back to, to folks. This is a good, this is good feedback. And, and writing them down, Paul. <laughs> say more, quickly. Say, oh, yeah, say loads really of the things yeah. that we said yeah. the other day. Quickly, listen. <laughs> One of the things, Anne, can we have it so that when you when you click on the ins mm -hmm. the inserter, it doesn't it doesn't push the content left. It just hovers oh, over the content instead. But right. Any more? <laughs> yeah. Should we just forget the rest of the articles and just ask Anne for things? <laughs> I'll just, just write it down. In there. Is that all right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting just, with the sidebars because it is a very big accessibility issue. So as you said, yeah, like yeah. If, you didn't, if it didn't squish the content, it actually would probably hide things um, that I don't know how screen readers well, would interact with. Well, just if so. you were doing full site editing, you'd suddenly get, mm -hmm. a, you would probably get a tablet view suddenly as opposed to mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. desktop view for a, you know, just for that brief moment you had the inserter open. Which but one thing that I've, stuff, that's yeah, tough, yeah. One thing that I really noticed was that the I, d I don't know what this is all about. I don't know if this is just something with the theme that I'm using. I'm actually the, the website that I was using this week was using the Beaver Builder theme, mm -hmm. but just the the experience, like the the typography inside the editor, just looked so much nicer. It was bound in a different way. There seemed to be a different amount of pixels on either side, and the short code uh, widget, for want of a better word, now now no longer consumes 90% of the screen uh, That with like 100 pixels of padding at the top and the bottom. Mm -hmm. It's now the correct size. It's like two lines, which is really mm -hmm. nice. So I'm not not having a problem with that. Yeah, that so hadn't lots. occurred to me either, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> I insert the audio player via a short code, and it, mm. it was just really big massive. with just padding. Yeah, yeah, it was massive, but now Huge. much better. Yeah, so bravo, really nice release. <laughs> Um, we're going to move on to the next piece, if that's all right. This one's about full site editing, but uh, it's over on, let me just find it. I think it's over on, yeah. The, the first thing I want to mention is not actually about full site editing itself, but it's about, oh, I'm going to have to share my screen again. I seem to have, do, 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 add to stream. There we go. Um, full site editing is around the corner. And I just wanted to bring to everybody's attention a course which is um, launching about full site editing. I don't know if you've come across Carrie Dill's work before, but uh, when I began using WordPress, Carrie Dill seemed to be absolutely everywhere. You know, she was a tremendous resource of me learning things right at the outset. And uh, she continues in that vein. She's got a WordPress full site editing course. I, I confess I haven't even looked at what what is contained in the course, but I just thought that this may be represented a bit of a watershed if somebody like Carrie is prepared to put the time in and create a course around full site editing, then presumably she feels there's some benefit to it. You know, it's matured enough. Obviously, there's a, a long way to go. Um, and we, we are lucky enough today to have Anne on the on the show, and she's been instrumental in full site editing. So very quickly, I'm going to draw your attention to this article which is over on WP Tavern. It's Sarah Gooding. She writes a new piece called Full Site, Edit Full Site Editing Testing Challenge. Create a custom 404 page. 
Now, Anne, I could paraphrase this piece and just tell everybody <laughs> what's in it, or I could just say, what did Sarah... Yeah, you, in, you, yeah. you, you jump in and take it, yeah. Yes. Uh, well, first of all, I just want to say Carrie Dills uh, very kindly did a video for the first round of testing for full sighting and really brought people together in the full sighting outreach channel and WordPress org Slack, um, which was really cool. So the fact that she's doing a course, I think is excellent. I, I did look at it. I did peek through. I haven't purchased it yet, but I, I plan to. Um, I think it's such a neat thing to see people building content like this. And I think the way she has it laid out is excellent. Um, I highly recommend checking that out. It is meant for developers um, by description, but she does a really good job of setting the foundation. And one of the things um, that I'll talk about with the call for testing is that there's actually kind of like a new language paradigm that for people who um, aren't site builders or aren't developers, it might be uh, an adjustment. <laughs> so things like template editing or template parts or even reusable blocks, like the idea of reusable blocks, um, I think um, are things that she goes over really well and really sets the foundation first before going through and talking about um, what does this mean if I'm a theme, a theme author? Like how does this change theme development? Because it does change theme development um, in a way that I actually think frees up theme developers to focus on um, really cool user-facing things rather than the basics, um, if that makes sense. But mm -hmm. um, I'm super excited to see her doing this and I hope mm -hmm. to see way more of it. I know one of the things I'm working on with the outreach program is to see what people um, would like to have on Learn WordPress, which is WordPress.org's um, kind of free learning platform. Um, and I've created a couple, a couple courses there already, but I'd like to create some specifically for full site editing, um, kind of inspired by stuff like this. So I'm, I'm very keen to check it out. In terms of the call for testing, um, Sarah was also very kind <laughs> enough to uh, to write up a post on this, and she did it so quickly. It seriously made my day. I said I respond in the comments, mm -hmm. um, but she jumped in, and basically the challenge is just to create a custom 404 page. And um, for context, I come up with these challenges. <laughs> I talk to designers, I talk to developers, I figure out what's ready, what's kind of um, what has momentum that possibly might need testing. Um, as well as kind of what's in a stable enough place where we can have people dig into it and get real feedback. And I quite frankly love four or four pages. I love when I find a good one. It, it truly makes me happy. Um, I think we can all kind of remember like the first time we saw like a really creative four or four page where you kind of like sat back and you laughed or something like that, or it made you think. Um, so this, the whole test is designed around building a custom four or four page. And the reason for the test is that it's a very tangible way to get involved with full editing. You're editing a template directly, the 4.4 template. Um, you actually create a custom template part, which can be like a header or footer. Um, that's how you can, the easiest way to think of template parts. Um, and it digs into specific uh, blocks like the navigation block. Um, and the navigation block is gonna be a big part of full editing, making sure that interaction is, is done well. She actually, I don't think made um, and used the navigation block in this, in this test, but you don't have to. Um, but she found some great bugs. I actually replicated one of them around um, the embed. Uh, I found a similar issue to the embed where actually it showed up, but it showed up really tiny. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and you can't actually resize it. So that's one of those things where it's interesting as we release new blocks um, with the full sighting experience or just with the core editor in general, um, there are some like funny little things where, you know, oh, I'm really used to having a setting on the image block, but why doesn't this exist with the site logo block? Um, that was one of the big things for the last call for testing where we don't have the same image controls um, for the site logo that you might have for the image block. So how do you make sure there's there's consistency there in the interaction and kind of it touches back on what you all were talking about with 5.7 where I was like, wait, why is the sizing showing up here? Why is the setting here and not over there? 
Um, and I think with full sighting, one of the things I'm excited about with these tests is, is figuring out where those settings should live, what feels intuitive, what's really jarring, what things people will never find. <laughs> um, and especially with things like uh, global styles, that's something I'm really keen to test um, in the future and actually haven't made a big focus of any of the testing thus far. Um, but that, that's kind of like my, my spiel, my overview, but I'm happy to answer questions or talk about it more. Um, I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> that's all I think about. <laughs> well, I talk enough. So if Joe's got a question or if Paul do, then uh, go for it. Well, I, I just want to say, uh, first of all, that um, Carrie Dills is one of the coolest people ever. I got to work with her at Crowd Favorite, and uh, mm. now we're, we're both LinkedIn learning instructors. And, uh, instructors. Cool. I'm happy to be in that group with her. Um, and I was I was pretty surprised to see this until I realized it was more developer focused. Um, full site editing is something I intend to cover in my Gutenberg course when it comes out next month. Hopefully, nice. I am uh, very uh, feverishly trying to finish a, another course for LinkedIn <laughs> Learning. Um, but uh, I I'm I wrote about this in my WordPress year in review. I am so so excited for full site editing. I I just tested it. It was like a super early beta, like before five point six came out. I think or around mm -hmm. the time five point six came out, and I was just like blown away by some of the stuff that. Uh, you can do and like like it was said here um how it's going to change uh and i think you said this um mm -hmm. how it's going to change like how theme developers develop and 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 what we can focus on and i think that's super duper cool um and and with the the challenges i'm i was excited to see this because i'm always trying to think of content for my youtube channel and this is like perfect content for the, for the youtube channel so um I'm thinking I'll probably do, I'll go back and, and do each of the challenges and maybe do a couple of collabs with other YouTubers to. That would be really awesome. Yeah. I, yeah. And like, that's one of the things um, I say with the outreach program is don't let, don't wait for a call for testing to test this out. Um, I actually have a page that I made in a handbook. Um, that's literally just how to test full sighting. You no, know, like depending upon if you're a theme developer, if you're just a user, if you're a site builder, like whatever it is, like there's, jump in, um, do it on a test site. Of course <laughs> it is beta. <laughs> um, I always say that my dad called me the other day saying he wanted to test it on one of his sites. And I was like, no, 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 like, don't do that. Um, but it is amazing to kind of jump into aspects of WordPress that we've never been able to touch before and do like, it is something that I think will really be a paradigm shift. Um, and one thing I love is that it's an all, not an all or nothing shift. I think that's one thing that with the 5.0 release that really left a lot of what I'll call cultural debt um, in the community around how these major releases happen. And it's something that um, the outreach program is, is designed to help um, not have happen again, quite honestly. And I'm really keen to kind of show people how, you know, if you're not ready for it, you know, the second it, it merges into, into core, whenever that is, it's okay. <laughs> There's going to be so many pathways and it, and it allows for people to, to join when they can as they want to. Um, and that might mean, uh, for example, I think my favorite example right now is you could use a classic theme, but you could use uh, specific blocks that have been created for the site editing experience. Um, so that way you're getting benefits from the full site editing work that's gone into play for the last couple of years um, without needing to all of a sudden switch your entire site over. Or, you know, if you upgrade to WordPress, your site's not going to be taken over of full site editing. Um, that's not going to happen. <laughs> You'd have to very carefully opt in, switch to a theme that allows it, you know, all that. Sort of, and the theme would have to support all these things. So um, I'm really excited to see more content get out there. It makes me really stoked that you're you're thinking about that already, because I do think we're in that that place to kind of 
show people the excitement. And before, I think like even a year ago, you couldn't really put your hands on it. And something shifts the sec second you can put your hands on it. Um, and I hope these calls for testing allow that excitement to build because um, it allows you to kind of explore it safely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, and I would group like the 404 page in with like the uh, the WooCommerce like order confirmation page as like something yeah. everybody wants to customize, but it's like <laughs> very hard to do. And like you need uh, to find a third party solution or you need to dig into the code and uh, mm -hmm. Just seeing this, seeing um, this come to uh, right to the dashboard, so people can can do it. I think it's it's really it's gonna kind of it's like a, a renaissance for WordPress themes and and WordPress theme design. Is there anything that worries you? I mean, like I try. So the first thing that came to mind right, is like you give users more control and they'll break everything. But like. <laughs> <laughs> I I've never really subscribed to that, right? Because it would be like a car dealer telling you you can't paint your car, right? Like, like you drive the car off the lot and it's yours. Do whatever you want to it, and mm. if you break it, take it back to the mechanic and they'll fix it, right? So, um, I know that there's going to be that concern, like, oh well, users, you're gonna they're gonna like do a red text on a black background or whatever, mm -hmm. um, and like it's their site and their prerogative, and if they break something, they can go back to you. So, I. Uh, I mean, there's going to be some growing pains, but I think overall it's going to be, it's going to enable a lot, a lot more and a lot better stuff than it's going to probably create headache for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think one of my, one of my, it's, it's not a frustration I have, but I think it's a frustration, which is widespread mm -hmm. is that the comparison is always being made with the incumbent page builders you know the the beaver builders the elementors the these things that reach the market in a pretty mature state on day one in most cases excuse me <clears throat> and and they did things in their own way they had they had no legacy you know they didn't have to cope with 40 percent of the internet and not breaking 40 percent <laughs> of the internet they just came along and if something broke well that was something that you needed to fix or you could work with their support and i think the expectation is that the full site editing should be what they've already done, if you know what I mean. So people come and look at it and say, well, it's not it's not there yet. I'll come back to it in a year's time. Um, and you were explaining to me before we pressed record on this show that it's it's much more of an iterative process. You know, there's an awful lot of legacy, a lot of things that have that are going on in the background that need to be achieved, which these other page builders don't need to worry too much about because it's their proprietary stuff. They can just decide what to do regardless of what the community want. And uh, so I think we've become... Well, spoiled. These tools are just so <laughs> fabulous. You know, th these page builders, they're so amazing and have allowed us to do so much stuff. And so we, we, we work on the basis that full site editing in core should be that yesterday. And it isn't. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things right now, too, that I've heard from folks is going kind of merging both of your points of view where, um, oh, my gosh, this is so open. You can do so much. This is going to confuse the user. This is not enough. And then at the same time, um, it's so open, there's so much you can do, but it's not the same as, as page builders. Like there's both of those complaints, which I think is really interesting. And one of the things that um, I know Matthias talked about in an update in December, and Matthias is the project architect of, mm -hmm. of the project. Um, and he's basically said like, we're starting on purpose really wide right now. Customization is wide open and then we'll refine. And right now we're just about entering that refinement period now that the milestones are kind of slowly being checked off. Um, so that feeling of things being like, where are the settings? Why is it this way? How do you build like that kind of stuff will start to get more and more refined. 
um, which I think will help with that feeling of it being so wide open. Um, and at the same time, yeah, the page builder question I think is going to be really tricky. And, and my hope is that the experience is good enough where, um, you know, you may not necessarily need a page builder or you can use it with it somehow. Um, I think whenever you see like this gradual adoption phase, I think there will be a lot of like Frankenstein like <laughs> contraptions hooked up. Um, I also do think there is a role for plugins to play um, and possibly page builders. Like page builders could be building on top of full site editing, for example. Right. Um, and I wish they would. I encourage, encourage them to do so, um, especially when you look at the performance enhancements that the the core editor has compared to a lot of these page builders. It's really impressive and it gives you a great foundation to build on. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see going forward how that kind of the sentiment might shift um, and the role that these plugins can play to create unique experiences. Like for example, you could have um, a plugin or a layer that puts it on top of the full sighting experience that locks it down even more, or you could have mm. another layer that opens it up more. So I think you can have this dance and pool depending upon what you want. And I think there is a role for plugins to play in the future when it comes to full sighting, rather than full sighting being everything to everyone. I think there's this middle ground to reach. Um, and then from there, people can customize their experiences, kind of how we always have been with, with WordPress. <laughs> Go on. Sorry, Jack. Carry on. Oh yeah, I just I just want to I just want to say like I love my page builder of choice and everything, but um, the when I do something in Gutenberg or the block editor and it doesn't create like fourteen nested divs, like I <laughs> yeah. get very happy every time. Like yeah. I don't have to write some crazy long selector to target whatever I'm trying to target. Yeah. So <laughs> I think you're absolutely right that there there could be. Uh, a dance, right? Like if you need a really mm -hmm. complex landing page right now, a page builder is probably better. But if you just want to build like nicer looking content, like the block editor can totally do that. And um, as far as your access goes, that was one of the, like that was an early question that Zach Gordon and I answered. Oh, um, Zach. Zach is also yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. He's so cool. I like I don't it. talk yeah. to him enough anymore. Um, <laughs> but uh, when we were doing our like early Gutenberg education, we worked with VIP and that was a question mm -hmm. that came up a lot. Like, how do we make it so that only certain roles, for example, can change uh, certain blocks? And and we were able to answer that question with with code. And I thought it was, um, you know, not to, I'm not the best coder. I'm like pretty good, but um, I think that the fact that we were able to find a solution to that is indicative of the fact that you can you can do what you need to do. Like WordPress is uh, has been around for a long time, and there's a lot of stuff built in right to core. Agreed. You um and do you. Is there enough feedback? You know, you put these exercises mm. out, and so we're, we've just been discussing the one about 404 pages, obviously two prior to that. Do you uh, Are you inundated with too many responses? Is there basically not enough? Is it somewhere oh. in between? Are you are you about in the right place? My, my is feeling is that, I, yeah, yeah I, I don't no, know. I have no idea. I struggle with this because I, I have a very high standard for, for this program. Um, I would take hundreds of responses and I would spend as much time as it took to respond to each of them. Um, so in terms of, you know, is it too much feedback? No, um, I will always take more. The first call for testing, we had 12 people respond. The second call for testing, we had 14 people. It, you could count it as 22 because someone... Um, very kindly, Courtney very kindly ran through the testing with a group of her students, a group of eight of her students, recorded it, sent it to me. It was amazing. Um, really good feedback there. Um, but yeah, I would love to see my ideal is to have 20 to 30 engaged people with each call for testing. Mind you, I've also gotten feedback <laughs> from my team members saying, and that is unrealistic. 
it is too many people. Um, you getting even just five to 10 for when it comes to testing like this, usability testing is great. Um, but I'm still gonna aim for that 20 to 30 people. Um, and we have about 240 people, I think as of this morning in the FSC outreach experiment channel, which is where I organize logistics for things. Um, so yeah, I, if, if anyone, even if it's, you spend five minutes with it and give me feedback, that's super valuable. And I think that's the whole point of these tests is I want them to be both quick. So if you don't have a lot of time, you're still able to contribute. Um, or, uh, Justin Tadlock spent two hours on the first, or the, the, yeah, the first call for testing, or it yeah. might've been the second. Yeah. <laughs> and that was amazing. Um, I love that. I was like, yeah, this is the whole point is that I want them to be extensible. Um, um, Chris Hughes in the comment, I think probably makes, makes the point that I sometimes think needs to be made more, which is where, um, so mm -hmm. it's it, obviously if you're in the, you know, if you're in the WordPress Slack, then you can go and find that, but trying to find that locating that having the you know the the gumption to go out and do all of that is there another quicker way in are there many paths to this could you just contribute directly oh. to you what's the best Honestly, way yeah if you want to if you want to send me feedback that's that's totally fine i might end up reposting it publicly because i i want to make sure everything's really transparent so um just in line with open source dynamic i don't want to be this linchpin who's like oh i have to report feedback to Ant. you can go straight to github <laughs> And you can drop in feedback straight there. You don't need to go through my calls for testing. Um, I'm just there to facilitate. I'm not there to be a blocker or um, anything like that. So definitely keep in mind, you can go straight there. If you want to participate in the program, you do have to join Make Slack. Um, most likely, it's probably the easiest way to keep up. Or you can follow the Make Test blog. Um, that's where I post updates. Um, I am going to post one on Make Core today, actually, a summary post of like top issues that have come through. Um, but yeah, in terms of different pathways, that's one of the things I've been struggling with and part of why I'm so excited to be able to talk to people here. Um, it's why I reach out to WP Tavern when I can. Um, it's why I try and work with the marketing team and WordPress.org to share things on LinkedIn and Twitter because um, there is a matter of getting outside the bubble, um, yeah, which I think yeah. we're all trying to do in all areas yeah. of our lives. Um, you know, the technology be damned. But um, yeah, it's right now it's a struggle just to get... Uh, I would say it's a full-time job <laughs> for me to do the calls for testing, respond to the feedback, amplify everywhere, um, manage the feedback back. Like it's a, it's an intense process as it is, but I, I have yeah. a feeling also you're, you're straying into an area of complete no code, low code people who maybe mm -hmm. you've got no experience with this at all. And they just want to say, why won't it work? Like how can I give my feedback? And obviously there's the support button in the plugin. Usually mm. you go there and there's your channel and you get a reply from the paid for support person and what have you. This is a really different experience, but the, but the, the, the level you're really aiming this at a different level, possibly, aren't you? You know, people who come to WordPress want to be able to create a header footer, what have mm -hmm. you with, with just clicking a mouse and typing a few, uh, I don't know, like typing the number 16 or something <laughs> like that. Um, so, yeah, really interesting. So, okay. Uh, Paul said he'd, sorry, not Paul, Chris said he'd sign up. Oh, and, awesome. uh, and it looks like Chris is already there. So that's good. Paul, did you have anything to say? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Chris, uh, hopefully see you in there. I did, I contributed to one of, not the 404 one, but the one before that. Mm -hmm. And, um, Thanks to uh, Birgit, who actually, who, because I, I, and so we're talking about bubbles, right? So, um, you know, Anne's talking about the bubble that she's in and the people working over there. And then I found myself a month or so ago, every week, just ranting, just <laughs> ranting about 
you know and there, there was times where we would do this show and i would i would be it was ranting. prepping myself <laughs> yeah, i was prepping myself i was like okay ready here's the story there's the positive points say them i'm just telling myself <laughs> and then mm -hmm. and then just blah blah and i just you know and i don't understand why they're doing this and uh, you know who's making the decision all this sort of stuff and um and thankfully birgit came on the show and educated me to a certain extent and also then put me in touch with Anne on the Slack group and I was able to because I just I was getting annoyed with being so annoyed. Um, Your feedback but, was fantastic uh, by the way. Well, it was thanks. really yeah, but it was, was awesome. But the problem is with the different bubbles is that we, we can find ourselves being completely ignorant of what we think is going on and how we think that these decisions are being made. So one of my uh, frustrations for a long time was the timeline for the full site editing. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to understand it a bit more. I'm starting to understand when I see, I mean, Josephus just put out a post about the timeline. And if you, you can look at that timeline there, I can look at that timeline a month or so ago and say, are you crazy? Do you really think we're there? Like, there's no chance we're in that blue zone over on the right there and we're in the iterate and we're fine. We're in the plan and experiment phase. But as I'm getting to understand how this is an iterative process, and I also understand that if you don't get full site editing into core, then the third party and the rest of the community who aren't in the inner circle of kind of the, the core team and stuff like that, they can't really work on it. So, the you know, the uh, ACF, uh, Advanced Custom Fields, can't really do anything with full site editing until it's in core. And then when this thing is in core, then other people and other you know third party developers will start adding to that and start iterating it and start improving it. So I start to understand the reason why there is a rush to, to get this into, into core. So Chris and anyone else who's listening, I do think it's really a good idea to get into that, into the, the Slack group and to you know have a go with the full site editing because you will start to understand a little bit more about how this all works and who's working on it and the and the challenges that the setup that is open source software development compared to something like Beaver Builder or Elementor who are a commercial operation and can just listen to their users and respond on the basis of a little team meeting in a room or something or in a, in a quick zoom room so it's a much bigger challenge that the core team have got and um and i start to understand it like i say so my concerns are just becoming less and less all the time and i'm moving more towards where joe is where he's excited about what's coming and um i still do get triggered from the odd post but <laughs> <laughs> but I'm able, but I've got a framework, a mental framework. It's, 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 yeah. it's, it's anxiety inducing for me. <laughs> like I, I feel I've like, got a mental yeah. framework to work around that now and, and go, okay, let's, you know, let's look at this in, in a, in a less ignorant sense. And, um, so yeah, I really recommend anyone getting involved in it. And if you're writing a post and, um, in the next couple of days about the major findings, then I probably won't ask you now then about what you found from the, um, the, I can the test so high far. Level... We, can, we can wait. Yeah, that would be great. A quick preview because it's it's been yeah. on my mind for a while, and um, to explain basically taking all the feedback that I've gotten from the early calls for testing, um, and do a summary post of like the main issues and some of the top ones. I can't. I'm not going to recite them all probably because there's I haven't even started writing this post. Um, oh. I'm planning of a draft by the end of today, but it's the start of mine. Um, people want to preview their content. That previewing mechanism, we're so used to it. That is something that is baked into. I mean, ever since I've been using WordPress. 
starting a decade ago. We really love to preview things. Um, that was a major thing that kept coming up is people wanted to preview the changes before actually seeing it. And it kind of touches on some mistrust between the site editor and what you're going to see. So the WYSIWYG oh. experience, you know, so it's really interesting because mm -hmm. it's a reaction to that. That was a big one. Um, wanting to change the width of content and alignment. Um, Riyadh has an amazing post. He's a core contributor, uh, rethinking uh, full sighting alignment. Right now, that's kind of a negotiation between the theme and the full sighting experience. And so they're trying to open that up so you can actually overwrite things. So there was a lot of times where people and the editor would, you know, have something be full width and then you view it on the site and it didn't actually go full width. And that's because of the interaction between the theme and the full sighting experience. So he's rethinking alignment there. Um, another big one, saving. Oh, I almost forgot that one. How could I forget it? <laughs> so many things are saving. Oh my gosh. Talk about like concerns and stuff. There are so many, like, uh, I, I, went on a call last week with someone who um, is a blind WordPress developer named Taylor. She very kindly walked me through kind of the experience of full sighting um, using screen readers and the save button. You had to hit update design and then hit save. The save button does not have an ARIA label. So it does not announce that it's there. Um, you would have no, she had to actually search for the word save in order to find it and select it and would have to know that it's there to begin with. Um, and that, that goes from everything like those kinds of issues to uh, multi-entity saving, which is very new for WordPress. What does it mean to actually update? You know, you made these changes and wait, what is this? I don't know which which changes in which place. <laughs> um, so a lot of the interaction around saving is gonna be key because the last thing we want is for people to not save the changes that they want or to save the wrong thing. Um, and I think that's where the vocabulary around like template editing is gonna be interesting um, and, and how to explain that to users in a way that, that feels smooth, but has enough friction um, in the design. Um, trying to think. Those are the top three that are coming to mind right now. That's um, good. I can I can see uh, I can see Joe squirreling down ideas for the, <laughs> for the um, coming, I mean, I'm going to write this on Make Core. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll have it published by tomorrow. But um, we'll see how fast I can I can type. But that's kind of a preview of of some of the stuff that I'm going to be be covering at a very high level. Um, these are and this is without going into things like um, global styles yet. So I imagine to be doing an iterative post over the, the coming months as more calls for testing happen, do a high level post, more calls for testing, high level posts. And same goes for, I wanted to quickly mention, um, I've been doing a call for call for questions previously. So people could, could submit any question they had about full sighting and I would find the answer to it. Um, it was a big effort. We got 47, 46 questions, something like that. Um, and wrote a summary post about each, each set of questions. I plan to do that again, likely in April or May, depending on the timeline of things, just to flesh out questions. Because um, I think these kinds of conversations, they can't always happen. And I want to allow um, other voices to come in and, and ask what, they, what they're concerned about um, to kind of ease things and, and set the pathway. So hopefully that helps too in the future. Like that's, it, this isn't like a one-time you have me here and you're never going to get answers again. Like um, it's something I'm dedicated to being continually involved in. So. Mm. Wow. Thank you. That was a proper, mm. lovely yeah. exploration <laughs> of that subject. That was really, really great. Thank you so much. Um, Paul, should we move on? Do you feel, oh, I think with, with 50 minutes yeah. under the belt, we probably yeah, definitely. should. Your next so we're stop. shifting, shifting into uh, more of the kind of, plugin sort of area of, of WordPress now. But uh, Lee Jackson just made a comment. Apart from he said, digging Paul Lacing glasses. Thanks, thanks Lee. Uh, thanks for your ah. weekly contributions and compliments. I always enjoy those. And um, back at you. So also, apart from that, there's another comment that he said, that one. 
Um, he says, uh, honestly, our agency is heading away from WordPress for the next product. Pace of development coupled with decisions from the top have led us to reevaluate. So, Lee, um, please do a podcast episode on that. Um, if anyone doesn't listen to Lee Jackson's podcast, then they definitely should because it's absolutely awesome. So, um, and that's the kind of plug you get if you say that you like my glasses. So <laughs> keep it up, mate. Un keep it up. Unfettered access. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, okay. So, right, yeah, the next the next item we've got is over on Blog Vault. Uh, Blog Vault have a couple of products which are almost all the same, but so I think they're trying to figure out what they're called. And uh, one of them is called Malcare, and one of them is called Blog Vault. And it's more or less the same thing. It's like um, a backup solution and a security solution and a dashboard as well for managing all your WordPress sites. I have... Uh, I am a customer of Blog Vault and I pay them money every month and I absolutely love this product just um, for managing all my sites and it also does things like cleans up malware, scans for malware, takes backups of your site for you know 90 days of history and they've got a new blog post on their, on their site called Three Reasons to Use an Activity Log on Your Website, which is convenient because they've just launched their Activity <laughs> Log feature. So, wow, that's um, a good first, coincidence. Yeah. Wow, I know. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting how those things happen, but um, it is a good feature. I've checked it out because I got the email about it as a customer, and then uh, obviously we saw this this article, but it is cool. You see in your dashboard in, in Malcare or Blogvault, whichever one you've got, a full history of all the different things that have happened. So if you're looking after client websites or even your own website, you can see who did what, who installed this plugin, who broke that, who published this post. Um, so from a looking after client's perspective, it's quite good because I'm not going to say that clients lie, but sometimes they selective they have selective memory over the things that you ask <laughs> if they if they did something and they claim that they didn't. But you can see what they did or didn't do and help them remember and and jog their memories on that. But if you've got your own website Ooh. as well and you can use the history log, you can see um, that someone that wasn't you, anonymous user or something, did something. And that is obviously alerting you to something might be wrong. It could be that you've got a dodgy thing installed on your browser and your browser is pressing buttons in the back end of WordPress or something. But you can see that that total um, history of everything that's happened in your website. Um, so it's just really this post is just a, a great post to kind of highlight the new feature that is coming out in Blog Vault. But, and you told me that you used to work for Jetpack. Yeah, um, I, I worked on Jetpack. And they've for got about one, haven't they, as well? Mm -hmm. They have and this feed, they have this functionality. They do. And one of the things that I I'm actually a little bit obsessed with activity logs because I, I actually originally <laughs> started on Vault Press. So I helped with um, you know, security scans, restores, kind of getting in the guts of the website when things went wrong. And man, I always wanted an activity log. And the users who could come in and tell us this is exactly what happened before my site went down, it made the entire process of getting it back up so much easier. So I'm, I'm super excited to see more people in this space. I think one of the key things that I learned um, truly from like the ideation to the production stage with, with the activity log, um, going through design integrations, all that sort of stuff. What really makes an activity log useful is being able to search, filter, and act within the activity log. Um, it's great to just have information, but it's even better when you can go back through, find the exact point, see where the last backup was, know what you're going to lose, and restore from there. Um, so I think when you can kind of level it up um, in terms of giving true insights and true actions that you can intelligently make, uh, that makes an activity log like 
chef's kiss so good <laughs> um so it's really neat to kind of see see more of this happening in the space even if you know it's not jetpack <laughs> yeah you do see uh i'm pretty sure i read that you do see the activity log you can drill down to it was on this particular backup so you can really see what you you did or or didn't have with you at that point um lee asks the question um, simple history was good for this, although filled the database quickly. Are they storing mm -hmm. on their servers? If so, that's awesome. I'm pretty sure, Lee, that they're storing this on their servers because BlogVault is, you know, this system with staging and all this kind of stuff going on. And, and basically, it's a kind of big uh, storage solution, BlogVault. So I'm almost certain that's going to be kept on their servers because otherwise it would be a bit naughty, I think, to, to introduce a feature that filled your own database up. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure it's going to be the, the the not naughty way that they've done it. To be honest, their 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 product is now really maturing, isn't it? It's almost yeah. do, does absolutely everything now. I actually have I think five sites on there, and I logged in just to see what it was storing, and it was it really was storing just everything. You know, I resized an image. Oh, okay. Um, it everything was was kept like uh, like Anne says if something goes wrong it's really good to go back we had somebody on the podcast a while ago from wp security audit log and i don't know if that's a more well-rounded solution but that's another another option in the in the marketplace as well wp security audit log um anything on that joe or should we move on uh, I mean, the the only thing I thought while while y'all were talking was I wish that I had an activity log for my kids so that <laughs> I don't have to ask my eight month old like what did you eat or like yeah. my four month and my four year old like where did you put my wedding ring which is she she hid it so she could find it oh. <laughs> so um, which she was helping it was very nice but I I think you know having information like this is is great no matter like like you all said if it's just for you or for if it's for a client because clients might do something expecting some outcome and then another outcome happens, right? They don't understand WordPress. Like we understand WordPress and having the, the, the audit log there is, is a, a much faster way to resolve the issue. I feel like if you install Facebook on their phone, that's basically an audit log. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> their entire life, including where they were I know, at any that's... given moment in time. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I I'm, I might do a sidebar here if that's okay. But I saw yeah. when um when like the uh, COVID tracing rolled out on phones, people complaining about it on Facebook. Like now they can track whatever we're doing, and I'm like, you yeah. know, Facebook knows way more about you than the government does, right? Like, I had to way explain that to some more. friends. Yeah, yeah I like, same. Oh, I was yeah. like, I don't. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want to like start an argument here, but like, here's how it all works, and Facebook yeah. knows more than than. Than the government does there, there was quite a lot of pushback in the uk from the government about the fact that the the apple google solution was going to store less data than they wanted <laughs> the, the uk government wanted the app to store bucket loads of data oh my god and so there was a lot of pushback from the tech community mm. google and apple in the uk declined to let the uk government i could be getting this wrong but if memory serves they declined to let them use their technology because they wanted to store more wow. data, I think. But wow. this was right at the beginning when yeah. nobody really had a handle on COVID and everybody was scrambling to just get, make some sense of it. I think now that now that we've got, uh, I think that in the UK, we spent 37 billion pounds on test and trace. It was in the paper the other day. Mm. And wow. uh, and they're they're pretty unsure what the uh, what the benefit <laughs> has been from the app. My app wow. is permanently switched on. It's never once 
done anything except we're updating your settings. It just yeah. informed me when it's updating, but I've, I've not been alerted to anything so far. So I've either been very lucky or, it, mm. or it's not working so well. I don't know. Likewise. And my wife works at a hospital, so I should oh. probably get, <laughs> I should get at least a yeah. notification from time yeah. to time. Yeah. Thank you yeah. to your wife, by the way. Shout out there. Thank you. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. amazing. Oh, I can mm. imagine. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay, so there's security audit logs. Let's move on to this. Well, this is a bit of a sad story, actually. But for me, it's got a, a slight silver lining, shall we say. It's a, it's a fire at OVH, which Paul's going to tell us about. No, well, Paul, well, you can tell us about it yeah. so, as soon as I've dismissed this annoying pop-up. Hold on. This is always the case on Search Engine Journal, yeah, isn't it? Everything. We need, to, so we need to load it up a few minutes before we get yeah, rid of all yeah. the pop-ups. And Yeah, OVH, I think it's a massive um, European um, server company, hosting company. It's and huge. They had, yeah, huge. And this huge fire just took out all sorts of websites, including Dopey Rocket and Imagify, which I think is part of Dopey Rocket. Yeah. I think yeah, it's it is. their yeah. image CDN. So um, some of the, the SaaS-based services were temporarily down. Now, obviously, we were just talking about BlogVault a minute ago, and I'm, I'm sure that Dopey Rocket and Imagify have something a little bit more bespoke than that um, in place, but they're able to get their service back up and running pretty quickly. But if you scroll down, Nathan, there's a picture of the fire itself somewhere, and it looks um, absolutely insane. And if you just imagine the reason why you need backups, you don't want one of your clients who didn't want to find, you know, have backups calling you and saying, "Hey, Paul, I'm sure it's fine. Um, I know the website's down at the moment. As usual, will it come back on in a few minutes?" And then you have to send them this photo and say that that is your website. <laughs> your website is then, literally on fire. It so is. yeah, let that be a warning to people who don't take backups seriously. That is why you need backups. Things like that can happen. Um, but yeah, gosh, I mean, I don't know what happens next for OVH. I'm sure they've got multiple data centers, but that's a lot of um, insurance money. Uh, they're a, they're to, actually to a that. huge company. They're one of those kind of companies I think that sort of sails under the under the radar a little bit. Um, mm. But they're absolutely massive. I had a server for about five or six years in that data center, and I got rid of it about six months ago. And I had loads of websites on it, and I managed to move it elsewhere. But it kind of made me think more more. And Anne and I were talking about this before we pressed record that really. So many people don't don't know where their website is. You know, they kind of believe that the internet is just this abstract thing and you click buttons. And the idea that there's an actual piece of hardware somewhere which is plugged in, consuming electricity, which we'll get onto in a minute, and, um, you know, is wired in, has got in internet connections and, and, and can actually break and the hardware can break or it can catch fire. It's it's remarkable. And, and WP Rocket, I think they were back within 12 hours. I saw that they were posting fairly quickly. So presumably they had had other options uh, elsewhere but yeah what a what a shocking thing to happen I, yeah. hope, I hope nobody connected with this had any had any trouble with that but hmm. well Nathan um you I remember that server that you had so that is the server that you always used to talk about and you know you were not sure to move to more yep. I regular hosting I, that we're all using and you were exactly. sticking with that server I was sticking with it because yeah. I got a, I got a really good deal on it but it was completely unmanaged they would they would come and if 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 this happened 
they would replace the hardware. Or if any of the hardware blew up, they would replace that. Or they would push the power button. They were the only two things in my package. Yeah. I mean, you had all sorts to... of backup systems in place and everything. Yeah. But still, it, would have, it wouldn't have been something to bring a tear to the to your own eye seeing well, your yeah because it was only in that physical in location like that. there wasn't yeah. you know there was no there was no way i could have well i've had to manually send it all somewhere else and get it all set up so i'm very i feel very blessed that i uh, managed to managed to avoid that that bullet amazing yeah mm. that's yeah that's i got like a master class on this from my friend cal when i worked at the university of scranton because we had like the redundant servers and the routing and if this went down and if level three went down which sounded absurd at the time and then i remember like two summers ago when level three was like up down for a lot of people um and i it just it's wild right because like i hosted my first client sites on a computer in my basement uh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> uh it was like my church's website and like my friend's dad's electric uh, electrician business but um you really don't know. And, and like Paul said, like having those backups and like the three, two, one backup methodology, right? Like have it uh, three different backups, two different locations, one physical copy. Um, because like having a backup on the server is not going to help you if the servers blow up. Right. No, <laughs> no, that wouldn't be good. Oh, just that... made like a very memeable face there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just not a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chris Hughes makes a comment. He's had servers there too. Yeah. They really are in shipping containers. They just stack them up. As soon as they need more space, they just whack another one on top on, with a crane and uh, they just sit there and I guess, you know, get hot over. You've got to imagine that the containers made of metal stacked on top of each other, full of really hot equipment. At some mm. point, isn't a good idea. There's a there's a certain amount of stacking that yeah. uh, that leads to yeah. well, even mm. the cloud is yeah. isn't just made up of <laughs> steam. It's, that, uh, you know, it's actually it's just a concept. It's not gas and air. That um, terminology it, really doesn't help. I think the cloud. No. I don't think I don't think that's helpful because my I say things like the you clouds look up in to the my sky and, and see as my they literally yeah. what? <laughs> what do you mean? What? It's up there. Yeah, it's up there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's with heaven and stuff. It's um, it's ephemeral. It'll just always keep working. It's like yeah. the weather. Yeah. I think it's also made people not very. I'm kind of a minimalist, so I think it's made people kind of. Uh, gluttonous with data collection like just never mm -hmm. deleting pictures never addressing any sort of thing because it's like oh I'll just store it I'll store it I'll store it mm -hmm. and we think about kind of what we're leaving behind um, I had a really interesting discussion with someone um, about the idea of just physical backups like if we you know had backups of our text messages sitting on our desks or something like that like how would it change our our feelings towards backups how would it change our feelings towards what we're creating online um, and how can we be better stewards because you know as leading into this environmental piece around sustainability, we do need to start thinking about this collectively beyond just like junk in our space. Um, what about our online selves, especially as we just cr are creating more and more data? Um, it's, it's, we don't think about the physical nature of it. And I'd love to, I think it'd be really fascinating to have a museum or something, an exhibit that shows like, this is your physical data. This is the average person's physical data that they, wow. they create and carry around um, in the 21st century. Cause I think, I think we need to start switching our thinking to that a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Um, I recently had to rethink because I've been using Google Photos, and mm -hmm. recently, I don't know when it was, a couple of months ago, they've, they're going to, in a couple of months' time, switch off this infinite upload ability, and it's going to go against your um, quota in your Google Drive. So you have to pay for that storage for your photos now. And it really made me think, boy, I've been so trigger happy yeah. with my <laughs> photography. You know, I take sixteen photos of the exact same thing, um, and then keep them all. 
Mm-hmm. For no good reason, and that's uh, you know. And if if somebody said to me, "Please, will you put the sixty-eight thousand photo?" I'm just making up a number. Sixty-eight thousand photos that you've got, actually put them in your house somewhere. It'd be like, "Oh, really? Why do I need to do that?" And so I've I've started to think about other ways to keep those more locally. Mm-hmm. Taking some paper copies of ones which I really like as well as just storing them on a hard disk uh, in the house and not just relying on Google, which segues beautifully, Anne. Thank you. We, <laughs> we occasionally get a good segue, not that often, but this is a good one um, because we're going to go and talk about this piece. Now, we had a course a moment ago from Carrie Dills, and we're going to just mention this one. This is, this is happening next month in April. Jenny Wong, uh, who's very, very active in the UK scene, uh, the WordPress scene, she is running, um, it's on meetup.com. You can see it on the screen. It's called Tips on How to Reduce the Carbon Emissions of Your WordPress Website. Um, it's, you know her, don't you, Paul? Hannah. Hannah Smith. So you. So yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. <clears throat> we, all, we all met at Manchester, uh, Word, WordCamp Manchester one year. That's right. Yeah. And, and I think I've, I've also, and I think we've seen her in London as well. And yeah. Um, I have invited her to come on this show, so hopefully at some point I need to check in with her again and and um, and make that happen because she's doing a lot of talks now about um, the the impact on the environment of websites and how to be uh, more mindful about that in the in the websites that you're creating. So ties in perfectly to the whole thing that we were talking about a minute ago you know siloing your photos somewhere else and whatnot and uh, so if you if you're interested in this subject you can go to this page i'll put the link in the show notes so that you can find it because the url's got lots of numbers in it but that made that put into mind this website uh jack lennox um dot com one n l-e-n-o-x dot com jack lennox dot com uh, this is a piece that he put together a couple of years ago it was in 2018 4th of june about his his ability to to get the, the WordPress website down to seven k. Now he took he went to extraordinary lengths to make this happen, but the there was a real groundswell of interest. I remember at the time thinking this was really important, and I can't remember, but the numbers that he brought to bear to this were absolutely terrifying. If you multiply the the amount of energy consumed on a typical Google search, and if you multiply that by a typical user during the course of a year, it actually adds up to real substantive amounts of electricity generated and, of course, pollution created and so on. So I was just hoping to have a little bit of a conversation around this area. I confess, despite the fact that it had a deep impact on me at the time in 2018, it it didn't have enough impact for me to go and address too much. I still carried on using the same tools that I do to this day. But I, I did notice earlier, Anne, you were saying that the footprint that Gutenberg puts out, you were you were pleased that it was, you know, you, you, you mentioned the number of divs and so on. And I guess all of that has an impact. And I know this is something you're interested in as well. Yeah, this is something that you actually, I don't know if you've seen this in Core Editor, but Core Devs will talk about this. Um, almost like half jokingly, it's like, oh, we need to pay attention to performance because we don't want to use up this much carbon. But it's a real, I mean, it's a real issue. And so when we talk about page loaders, when we talk about using plugins, like, you know, yes, for security, don't overload your site with plugins. Yes, for performance, don't overload your, oversight, overload your site with plugins. But also when we think about the environment, um, which to me is one of the great, it's a great unifier um, across a lot of divisions right now. I think if we can have this ability to think about our planet um, you know, looking back on Earth, like I think that that's a really powerful thing, especially in the, the state that we're in right now. Um, but I actually just wrote a post, um, I think two weeks ago now, on 
one of the core editor improvement posts is about performance of um, both, well, eventually there's gonna be one about the core editor itself. So when you're typing in the core editor, but then also the, the pages that it delivers and the posts that it delivers. Um, and uh, I can probably send you all a link to it, but it, it just basically mm, talks about how it's reconfigured, uh, how CSS stylings and block styles are bundled so that it's more efficient. So it only loads what needs to be loaded. I mean, it causes really positive impact on performance, which of course there's the whole, Google's changing a lot of stuff come, come May um, in terms of how they deliver search results. So it helps there, but also in terms of this environmental impact, I think um, WordPress has a big responsibility to, um, to do right here <laughs> and to be thinking really critically about performance. So it makes me really excited. That's actually something that stands out about the core editor right now is that there is, there is an emphasis on performance. There's always room for improvement. Um, including how we measure performance. It's even that meta right now. There's actually open PRs trying to improve how we even talk about performance and measure it um, against benchmarks. So um, it's something I'm I'm personally really passionate about, um, partially from I consider myself an advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And when you think about environmental impacts, it inherently impacts um, people from uh, who are often underrepresented and under-resourced um, more than those of us I mean, I'm sitting in an air conditioned department right now. Um, so it's, it's something I think we need to take really seriously, uh, mm. especially as the internet grows. So a couple, couple of statistics on this. The first one is back on Jack's website and he made the point back in 2018. I don't know if this needs to be updated because of probably, probably yeah. wider adoption that the, the, the internet, it's, uh, internet uses about the same amount of CO, produces, I should say, about the same amount of CO2 as the airline industry. Obviously, with 2019, sorry, 2020, that probably would need readdressing. But also last week on the show, we talked about the fact that Bitcoin, uh, mining for Bitcoin now consumes more electricity than the country of Argentina, um, which is just bizarre. Um, and And this, again... We talked about the cloud, how ephemeral that is. It just doesn't mean anything. The internet to me, despite the fact that I know this, I still see the internet as a complete zero sum. Like I use it as if it's infinite and has no impact whatsoever. There is nothing in my head going search less because you're creating carbon. Um, and, the design's and not set up change. that way, right? No. Like, I think that's, um, there's a book I read called, uh, it's like When Technology Bites Back. There's a, I love reading books that are critical of tech. But one of the things it talks about, um, another one is like to save it, to save everything, click here. But there's just not designs in place. And one of the designs it, it, it references is like, imagine you're plugging in your computer, but imagine the cord breathed. And then imagine if once your, your computer's charged, it just started writhing in pain. It, it, it alerted you in a, almost like a, evolutionary like primal reaction to say like i'm good unplug me i'm not you're wasting electricity so if we could have ways of i mean th i think nest is a really good example where nest kind of helps you modify your behavior through reward systems like there's a way to use these reward systems like streaks <laughs> for good um and this addictive technology that we see on social media for good it's just a matter of when it's used and how it's used and so i i to me this is partially a design problem and i just listened to a addictive technology panel. <laughs> um, so I'm like hot off the press of that. But um, I think this is one of those things where I'm hopeful that design can start coming into play in our physical technology. Um, and even on the website where, you know, Netflix, rather than saying like, hey, are you, are you still watching? What, what question could they be asking? And we don't ask those things enough of, of the people who create the technology that we use. Um, and of course, they want it to be addictive and they want it to be um, your eyeballs to be on it. Um, but hopefully we can get to a more human centered approach with a lot of this stuff. 
Yeah. I don't, I don't even know what the questions are, let alone what the answers are. That's <laughs> Genuinely, I'm puzzled by this. I really do see it as a, an infinite resource, which I know is ridiculous. Paul, Joe, anything on that? I just, uh, it just seems we're back to where we kind of summarized last week when um, we realized that, you know, baby boomers and Generation X have screwed it up a bit. And we just got to hope that the kids come up with uh, with this ingrained in them and just can think about this whole approach to things in a completely different out-the-box way, which I think there's a lot of evidence to say that is what the kids growing up are doing. Mm. So, yeah, but I mean, you can, you know, the internet can get turned off one day. You only have to watch the episode of South Park where it happens to find out <laughs> the disaster, to find out the disaster that would happen and the apocalypse that would beset us all. If that were to happen, yeah, uh, there is there is more intellectual readings or viewings out there that Anna's talked about, <laughs> so you might want to try some of those as well. But definitely, if you want a quick version, there's a there's an episode of South Park you can watch. <laughs> I think I think uh, I think it's really interesting because I feel like each generation is presented with problems, right? We come up with these innovations and then we discover the problems later, right? The Industrial Revolution enabled us to start to kind of globalize thing, and it it really helped the American economy and the world economy. And um, just like the internet was invented to help researchers share information, and um, we probably wouldn't have had a COVID vaccine as quickly without it and without some of the innovations that we have. And now it's up to our generation and the generation behind us. Um, and well, maybe we're all different generations, but I'm a elder millennial. Um, and uh, to to figure out these new problems, and I really think it comes down to habits, right? Old habits die hard, and it, it makes it it the onus is on the smart people to figure out, uh, right? Like, how can we make electric cars more affordable? How can mm -hmm. we make websites consume less energy? Uh, and I'll just end with the last thing I'm wondering it now is which has a worse environmental impact now, uh, Bitcoin mining, which is this digital money, or actually printing paper money? Like, I'm really curious about that now. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, good question. I don't know. Maybe and which can be more sense. optimized too? Like that's the yeah, the rate of right. optimization is probably higher for Bitcoin than it would be for yeah. printing paper. But I'm not, you know. We we have plastic money in the UK. Our money <laughs> is all all made of plastic. And I don't. I was talking yeah, to somebody the other day. Wow. I was thinking, is this a good thing? Was it good? I mean, mm. it certainly isn't from the from the ability to fold it. It's literally impossible to fold. You fold it and it ping straight back to the shape it was prior. But um, oh I was just thinking plastic. We've got there's not billions of these small bits of plastic, which presumably have I don't know no no credentials at biodegrading. I don't know. Maybe they're built in that way. But it did strike me as a they're obviously more permanent. They'll produce less over the over the years. Um, but equally, hmm, I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I think mm. we're through everything. Um, if anybody, if any of the guests, um, Anne or Joe, want to drop something in, should we, uh, should we give them an opportunity? Anne, anything that's happening to you this week that you want to mention? I was just going to flag the third call for testing. Um, otherwise, stay tuned on Make uh, Core for um, just a post summarizing the pain points. I think it's really great to talk about how exciting full sighting is, but I also am very realistic on the pain points. I think it's equally as important to talk about those in depth. So. That's all I've I got. will. Yeah, thank you. I, I've just posted the the link on the uh, on the screen. But if uh, if you're listening to this after the fact, I'll make sure that they're all in the show notes. Thank you for that. 
And, and it, um, in case it helps, just real quick, my username in Slack is at Anzazu, A-N-N-E-Z-A-Z-U, and I welcome pings anytime. So please don't be shy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And Joe, anything from you? Uh, well, in my newsletter this week, I wrote uh, about my thoughts on time versus money. It's been uh, big in my mind lately because, um, or in the forefront of my mind lately, because I just launched a new community and I did it on Circle instead of using something like BB Press and Buddy Press. And part of the reason was I, I was trying to figure out what's the best way to spend my time. Should I spend my time, should I spend 40 hours building uh, BB Press and Buddy Press in such a way that gets it to the way I like it to look and the way I want it to work? Or can I just pay 40 bucks a month for Circle, uh, set up a Zapier to send new WordPress users over there? Um, and it's just, it's I think it's a, a conversation that as more no-code, low-code tools come out with, People in especially the WordPress community or people who are very own your own platformy um, are are going to need to to think about. So I, I had those thoughts in my newsletter, uh, and I just it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Where where do you say I want to own my own platform versus what's a tool that will at least let me export that data when I'm when I'm sick of that tool? Yeah, or when it closes down or right. something like that. Well, yeah. it, just out of interest, I've never heard of Circle. It, that's like a equivalent in functionality to something like BB Press, is it? Yes, uh, it's circle.so. It's a lot like, I think, Peepboard is another WordPress plugin. I might have messed that. Peepso is what is the name of that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a community you can create uh, spaces for people to... Uh, hang out and post in it's like it's kind of like a, a mix between like a buddy press and a bb press where it's bulletin boards and people can chat um, and you can give access to people based on certain criteria so i have a community for each of my courses i have a community for my podcast membership and then i have an open community for anybody who just wants to listen to the public episodes and and, mm -hmm. and comment on them so uh, again i was setting i was trying to set all of this up in, in bb press and um I just didn't, I couldn't get it to, to work the way I wanted it to within the allotted time I had set for myself. Right. And uh, again, with my wife being a nurse, I'm half a half time stay at home dad uh, when she goes to work and I, I need to be more judicious with my time. And uh, circle has allowed me to reclaim dozens of hours probably. Uh, hmm. So, yeah. And then, and then the other part of that is that if my community falls on its face in two months, I will, it would have cost me 80 bucks as opposed to like 40 billable hours. So. Right, right, right. Good point. Chris used in the comments making the exact same point. Circle is great. Got a client who loves it. He did exactly what you did. Looked at BodyPress, went for went for Circle in the exact same way. Oh, cool. And where can we find you, um, Joe? You can find me over at casabona.org. It'll tell you exactly what I do over there. And you will you can sign up for my my newsletter, Build Something Weekly. Very cool. Very, very cool. Well, the uh, the time has arrived where I'm going to say goodbye. We have this awkward thing every week where I, I get everybody to wave and then I click the stop button on StreamYard, which has gotten, it's literally, it's a, I don't know what it is. It's some random amount of time between one and eight seconds and the video stops. So uh, I'm going to say goodbye. I'm going to start waving and uh, I'm going to press the hands. button. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do jazz hands. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Me. Thanks so yeah, much. Thank you, everybody. Bye.